For two plus decades now, Blue October has been stirring audiences. We've watched, followed, and loved them from the early beginnings of Hate Me to whatever they show us tomorrow. We bleed blue, and many of us have used that blue blood and this amazing music to get through our own experiences. It's always been there. Welcome to Just Sway, the Blue Experience, where your host, Lucas Peterson, takes on and shares everything Blue October. Let's Just Sway. He felt like he was worth something. Those were his exact words. He's like, I feel like I'm worth something. I should be here for you and the kids. I need to be, I need to be okay. I'm gonna be okay. And to be completely 100% honest, he was. He never tried to hurt himself again. He never talked about hurting himself again. He felt it, like he got their message saying that, you know, get the hell back up. You are worth this. And that's when I started, okay, there's something to this music. There's something, but it was his something. It, it wasn't my something. It was like my husband's something. He, from that point on, I mean, the headphones were on every night. He came home, he stayed, still kind of slept in the living room for a little while, but listening to their message, listening to their words, that just, he's, he felt it. He knew that he was okay, that he was going to be okay, that he could essentially get back up. We've all heard familiar sayings like, things in life happen for a reason, or someday everything will all make sense. It's something we can say to ourselves or to others in tougher times to give hope that the darkness will eventually lead to better and brighter days. It can be words of comfort when we don't really know what else to say or feel. For Christine, life now is about living those expressions. My name is Lucas Peterson and welcome to Just Sway. This is episode six, Staying Sticky. Thank you for joining me today. I'm glad you're here. I know this is going to be an episode you will not forget. But first, remember, if you enjoy Just Sway, please do me a favor and subscribe to the show and also leave a rating or a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Just Sway is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. You can also follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for Just Sway Show. I would love to hear and see what you have to say about the podcast. So take a screenshot and tag the show. Or just leave me a note and let's talk some more Blue October. Christine's story with Blue October came to be through her husband, Dave. Together since she was 20, they were each other's person. That kind of relationship where you know the other person better than yourself. Dave was the kind of man that asked Christine's two-year-old daughter to marry him before he asked Christine. And he made sure she even had her own ring at the altar. Together, they would have three children while living on the outskirts of Boston. Both of them worked, and worked hard. It wasn't anything perfect, but Christine and Dave were happy, living life together and raising their children. But then, life got quite challenging, following an unfortunate accident with Dave at work. I caught up with Christine late last year after I saw an image she shared on one of the Blue October Facebook pages. I messaged her, asked her if she'd be willing to talk and share her story, and sure enough, we connected right away. He was working for um, a company, and he was walking with those big 
90 pound ladders up on his shoulder and turns to go down an alleyway and he cleared the building but the ladder didn't clear the fire escape and it ricocheted on his neck and caused him to go down he was essentially paralyzed in an alleyway for almost an hour he couldn't get to his phone he couldn't get to anything um he started getting the tingly feelings back in his arms and got up, called me. I'm like, why, why are you calling me? You should be calling an ambulance. He got himself up, went in, finished the last job that he had to do in that person's house. And that person called the ambulance once he told them what was going on. So he really couldn't, wasn't supposed to lift anything more than 10 pounds. He definitely couldn't get on a ladder again, couldn't lift the ladders again. He went back to work after the second surgery and tried to have, you know, tried to do a desk job. He couldn't sit down for so long. Same company and everything. They were great. He tried and tried, like, so many different things that he tried, tried a different line of business, and it just wasn't working. And I think that took its toll on him. And then with the depression and finding out he was bipolar, and that just took just hearing the words, I think it shocked me because I didn't hadn't thought of that i just thought it was you know just dave after three surgeries and unable to work for a good amount of time dave became depressed and began to self-medicate with alcohol using beer to escape his real world he was still a dad and an amazing husband during that time but he would also escape into his own solitude his last surgery and his last attempt at going back to work and was told he couldn't do it he couldn't handle it he went into kind of a depression mm-hmm. and started drinking. And that didn't go over too well here because I had the three even younger kids than I have now. My oldest daughter, I believe, was still living here at the time. So I technically, technically sorry, had the four kids in the house. The drinking wasn't, it, I mean, it wasn't in any way, shape, or form really bad, but it was just what we found out after the fact. It was self-medicating. Mm-hmm. So he had gotten into a depression. He had gone through a couple of stints, I guess you would call it, in the hospital for talking about wanting to hurt himself or trying to hurt himself. The drinking got a little bit worse. And we even separated for a little while. Going back again, we had been together since 96, essentially teenagers. I mean, he was 19, I was 20. And at this point, we would just needed some time apart mm-hmm. and he went stayed at his mom's and did what he could to take care of himself after the last hospital stay it was a couple of weeks stay in the hospital he had come over to see the kids and that's when he heard fear for the first time and he was so moved by it by that song by the video he watched um i think it's on bemo or something like that Mm-hmm. He was so moved by, there's a, one scene in the video, I'm sure you've heard it, seen it a million yes. times, <laughs> the scene where he stands into the water and, and, and Justin just goes, like, you could feel his words. So my husband called me in, had me watch the video with him, it was just the two of us, and he tears in his eyes, like, streaming down his face, and He looked at me and said, I'm going to be okay. Can I come back home? I know I'm going to be okay. I feel it now. 
And I think that was the first time that he really felt Blue October's music. He felt like he was worth something. Those were his exact words. He's like, I feel like I'm worth something. I should be here for you and the kids. I need to be, I need to be okay. I'm going to be okay. And to be completely 100% honest, he was. He never tried to hurt himself again. He never talked about hurting himself again. He felt it. Like he got their message saying that, you know, get the hell back up. You are worth this. And that's when I started, okay, there's something to this music. There's something, but it was his something. It, it wasn't my something. It was like my husband's something. From that point on, I mean, the headphones were on every night. He came home. He stayed, still kind of slept in the living room for a little while. But listening to their message, listening to their words, that just he felt it. He knew that he was okay, that he was going to be okay, that he could essentially get back up. And, I mean, he did. He still drank, and he still, you know, but it was different. He wasn't so much maybe self-medicating anymore. Right. At one point in time before, when he was in his darker phases, darker stages, he said that he couldn't be in his real world. He didn't know how to handle the, world, the real world or his real world. So he would rather have the mask of the alcohol. And one of the very last time he was in the hospital, we had found out he was diagnosed with bipolar, which made a lot more sense. No, actually, I'm sorry. I think that was the first time he was in the hospital. Made a lot more sense as to why he would be very happy-go-lucky one day and then just really dark and self-doubt, self-gloom, just didn't feel any worth, especially, you know, working his whole life, having four kids to take care of, a wife to take care of that was in college and or getting ready to go back to college. He didn't feel like he was a man. Anyone can understand how that would be a difficult situation at best. And being diagnosed bipolar only added to the difficulties. But the music was a saving grace for Dave, as fear had somehow renewed a sense of belonging in him. And soon enough, Christine noticed the change in Dave and how the music from Blue October was helping him in that change. It wasn't long before the music went from being his something to something they could share together. So our song was home, is home. It's, a, it's actually kind of a, it's a cutesy story, but whenever the song, well, the first time he had heard it, I remember I was literally sitting on my bed, where I am now, doing my homework, and he comes, came running into the bedroom. <laughs> Gotta hear this. I was like, what? Like, I'm, I'm trying to do homework and give me a minute. No, you have to stop. This is something you need to, oh, so. He had the headphones in, took the headphones out, gave me one of the ears of the headphones and he played it. And it was beautiful and we danced and, um, sorry. And um, every time that song would come on, like no matter what, we maybe not when we were in the car, but whenever the song would come on, we stopped what we were doing and we would dance. It got to the point where the two of us, if like we were arguing and he was very, very goofy. 
So we could be in an argument and he would just make me laugh hysterically or to do anything to stop the argument or whatever it is. And mm -hmm. so we started playing home. If I was trying to stop it or if he was trying to get me to not be mad, he knew it would put a smile on my face. And he knew we would stop and we would dance. Well, this is hard, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> he, he knew we would stop and we would dance. Mm -hmm. And we, every time, without fail. Even to the point where if we started arguing a little bit, the kids would, because they all had phones or something they could use, they always put it on. It just, no matter what, home would bring us out of it for a while. It didn't, obviously isn't gonna stop every argument or fix every problem, but for that moment in time, that two minutes and however many seconds that that song is, just feeling each other's arms, being in each other's arms, feeling each other's heartbeat, we knew we were okay. We knew we were gonna be okay. It was worth working through, whatever it was. Sorry. Okay, I'm okay. It, I didn't wanna make it seem like we were arguing all the time. No, you didn't. Okay, <laughs> but you figure four kids, you're gonna argue. Four kids, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. That's gonna happen. It's it's just right part of life. <laughs> and this, yeah, exactly. And there was, I mean, trying to figure out which medications worked and which ones didn't work, and different ways to handle different things and stuff like that. So you, we were together since we were kids. We argued. <laughs> uh huh. There's no relationship that doesn't. But I still knew him. He was my soulmate. He's my other half. That bond, that connection was palpable, and the music brought Dave and Christine back together. They had been through so much as a couple in a very short amount of time, and they were on the better end of things. And now, those moments ingrained in memories, woven together with music, are all she has left. On April 20th, 2018, Dave, who had asthma his whole life, suffered a severe attack. Christine knew this one was bad as she called 911 and then watched him struggle to breathe, his nebulizer providing no relief. Finally, Dave threw the nebulizer off his face and yelled to her, no more, and I love you, and then fell back and passed out. Those were the last words from her husband Christine would ever hear. EMTs would tell her later of his joking with them in the ambulance, but he would never again regain consciousness. Let me know when the coffee gets warm Let me know when the staircase gets hair To climb through heaven's storm To climb Open my heart Further dive I'm reaching out to find you Where did you go? Further dive Christine, however, believed she held the final trump card, the end-all, be-all that would snap Dave back to her. When he was in the coma um, after the asthma attack in April, when he was in the coma, I, the, I think it was the very last day that they had said that there was really no hope. They, 
an entire week of trying so many different things. I still felt like I had the ace in the hole. I could put the headphones in and I could play fear. I could play home and it would bring him back to me because it brought him back to me before. Fear mm -hmm. brought him back to me from when he was depressed and he you know, was going in and out of the hospitals and staying at his mom's. It, the music brought him back to the couch, but it came, he brought him back to my house. And then slowly he started coming back to share more songs and more things with me. And then home came into our lives. And I don't want to say our entire lives were kind of revolved around Blue October or anything like that, but it just seems like I can wrap my every memory to something that had to do with this brought him this joy, this brought him that, this gave him this, you know, comfort. This made him feel like he wasn't alone. I don't think he ever found out, I, in doing my research, that Justin was also diagnosed with bipolar. I think that would have been amazing with him. I don't know if he ever knew. He didn't, that could have been something he kept to himself though. But when he was in the coma, I, I had asked if I could play music for him. Can I put the headphones in? Because we were there every day for the week and he was never alone between family and friends. We just basically lived at the hospital for that week, waiting for him to wake up. And I got, had some time, it was actually the first time in that entire week, and it was towards the end of everything. But I had gotten some time alone with him to say my own personal goodbyes. In my head, I was going to bring him out of this. This was the miracle. The headphones were going in and I played fear and I played home and I played fear and I played home over and over and over again. And he had no brain activity. He, we knew she wasn't coming back, but I still had that kind of insane hope. But when it didn't work, I think I was actually even a little mad. Like I was mad that it couldn't bring him back to me between that and then just so many amazing memories of their music with him and in the background or in the car or through the headphones or seeing the smile on his face or the conversations that we had about anything that him listening to fear and him listening to some of these songs that made him feel less alone opened him up to talk to me about his feelings which he had not really ever done before. So I, in a sense, it brought us closer together. When we were in the, that same night that I tried the headphones, we were saying goodbye. They had come, they did the last rites and everything. And every time I started to cry, there was this light. It was the how do I explain it? Like, if you're looking at the machines, like if you were going to get your heart checked, you'd see the lines going up and down and up and down and up and down or straight, like a flat line. So he was now at this point um, being kept alive just by machines. He had no brain activity and everything. We knew he was an organ donor and we had to you know, keep him alive until midnight on April 28th to the 29th because they took him at midnight to go do the organ donation. So towards the end of the night when we were all saying our goodbyes and every time 
I started crying because I cried a little bit, but I was really strong, you know. I didn't lose it, lose it until the very last day. Every time I started crying, this blue light was going really, really fast, really, really fast. Like it looked like you were having a heart attack. It looked like, like, I mean, it was, it was up there. So I mean, this went on for a good probably 10 minutes before anybody even said anything to me about it because I didn't notice it at first. And then when I stopped crying and I was calm, it would go flat. Like it would go straight. And then I'd start to lose it again. And it would go and go and go and go. And this went on for hours. Well, about a, probably I think it was an hour and a half. When the nurse came in, my sister asked, and she says, what is that? And my sister's a nurse. She should have known this, but no. Um, <laughs> she's like, what is that? This, this, this love, whatever it is. And of course, finding out afterwards, they didn't want to tell me because they didn't want me to get my hopes up that it was brain activity. But it wasn't. It was a fluid level, meaning his, I don't exactly know how to explain it, but it's, it's supposed to be a steady line. It's not like a flat line, but it's supposed to be the same thing because they were monitoring his fluids. They were, like, not monitoring, sorry. They were controlling everything for him because he was only being kept alive till the organ donation team got there. So that shouldn't have changed. And that was my first real sign that he's looking out for me because it only happens when I cry. Not when the other six people in the room, not that he didn't love them, but whenever I started to really lose it, it started going and going and going and going and going. Didn't stop until I stopped crying. So that was my first sign. After a week in a coma, Dave was taken out of the room that had become his family's makeshift home and brought to the operating room where his organs were harvested and every viable piece of him was used to help someone live. For Christine, however, life had no other choice but to continue. She was, understandably, upset, mad at God for taking away her beloved Dave so young and right when things were getting so good in their lives. She was mad at everyone and everything she could be mad at. This wasn't fair. It was not right for him to be gone. A Catholic family... They had not been to church for some time, but before his death, Dave had begun to reach out to a local pastor. He wanted to learn how to be a better person and felt he needed help in doing so. Christine believes that Dave was trying to build a better relationship with God before he died, that he somehow knew what was coming that April day. And so Christine was left with memories, and some of those fondest memories were attached to music and a very distinct voice. And of course, As part of the grieving process, she couldn't bring herself to hear that voice, and any Blue October music got pushed away. Until that music brought with it more signs. There were actually a bunch of signs. But when, a little while after we passed away, like, as I said, I couldn't listen to Blue October at all without losing it. So... And I was trying to be strong and hold everything in, so I wouldn't let myself at all. I was driving in my own city, and it was, I had my hands out the window, started crying. Don't know why, whatever reason, started crying, thinking about Dave. And while I was driving, this 
and I had the radio on in the background. It wasn't anything, it wasn't like a playlist. It was just my car at the time. So I didn't have anything cool like that. A blue blood, blue butterfly landed on my hands while I was driving. As if that wasn't weird enough. I was so like, I pulled over cause it kind of freaked me out. I was so in awe by the fact that there was this gorgeous blue butterfly that was literally on my wrist. So I pull over and I'm not paying attention to what's going on in the background. I'm not paying attention to the um, song that's playing. And all of a sudden something clicks and I hear this and I hear this voice and I went, oh my God, wait, what is this? And I grabbed my phone and I asked Siri, I'm like, Siri, what song is this? And when I ever heard that it was, I hope you're happy by Blue October, I was like, wait a minute, what? This isn't one of their songs. This, I had no idea there was a new album because I shut myself up for them. I, I was floored. So then, of course, I looked it up because now I was like, okay, because there's a butterfly on my hand and it's blue and the color of the line that kept going up and down was blue. So blue kind of stuck with me from that point on. I used to be a purple girl. Purple used to be my favorite color. <laughs> but blue from that point on, like, is the first color that I'll see. I, if I, I can be looking at anything and blue is the first one that goes into my eyes. I don't know why, I don't know what, well, I, obviously I know why, but I don't know what the physical thing is, but I, it's kind of weird. I do see it before any other color. But the fact that a blue butterfly landed on my hand and this song comes on, I was like, okay, wait a minute. Maybe he is trying to tell me something. So I heard it and I let myself hear it. And she felt it. And those words and that music started to get in again. But this time it wasn't the same as before, because now those lyrics were saying things her heart and mind didn't know how to, or couldn't yet. However, she still kept fighting it, not fully absorbing the universe's messages. Apparently, she needed a louder sign. <laughs> and then, probably majorly coincidental, but it was actually the same day, because I remember reading that when I looked up this song and where it came from and... It was the day that that whole album was released. The I Hope You Happy album was released. In okay. Skip the song, skip the song. When I couldn't hear it, when it won. And I was cleaning in my room, probably three o'clock in the morning. I don't even know anymore. But Sway came on. And immediately I said, skip this song. Skip this song. At least five times and it wouldn't skip. And then I started yelling at the stupid machine, like, skip this off, wouldn't skip. So I looked up in the air, I said, okay, fine. I gave in, closed my eyes, and I just started crying. Let myself listen to it. It was the first full song that I listened to from the October after he had passed. And maybe it was in my head, I don't know. But I felt as if my husband was dancing with me. I could feel his hands on my hips and moving me to the beat like he used to do with all the other songs because I have no rhythm. Come on, dance with me.
like he was open opening me up to listen to it, to getting me to where I am now because he knew that it would heal me the way it healed him. It wasn't just music to him. It was never just music to him. And he knew that I needed, he knew that I needed it. He knew that I needed to have something that I could throw myself into that I could just let go and feel. And Sway was a song you would listen to often. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Together. Yeah. Yep. Was there better feelings that came from that? I mean, was that very difficult for you? Did it help? At first it was hard. Like I would cry. I would still cry, but I let myself cry, which I wasn't doing before. It, like 18th floor balcony came on for the first time after that. And I listened to the whole thing and I just would burst into tears because I remember feeling like that. I remember feeling all these new feelings with him. And I remember having these, like these talks all night long, like different parts of probably every song that they sang speak to me. And then if you listen to any song on the I Hope You're Happy album, I'm telling you, he's talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> what is something from this current album that you, what is a song that you really feel strongly about? You know, it's really hard to pick just one for the dive, beginning to end. The tattoo I'm planning on getting on my arm, let forever be forever, carry on. I don't think there's a single song. I mean, I hope you're happy. He was literally talking to me in the car through the butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> he was telling me to be happy. He was telling me to be okay. Like, in a sense, I feel like, especially with this newer album, the words that my husband was trying to get through to me, or I, even words I was trying to say to him, are coming from Blue October. I don't want to sound insane, because it's not really... but. I don't, I didn't have the words to say and Justin helped me say the words. Justin and the music helped her say the words, the words her heart needed to hear and feel in order to start healing. When I first talked with Christine at the end of 2018, it was not even a year since Dave's death and she was most definitely still in the thick of that grieving process. I can't describe what that process is like because I didn't walk in her shoes and in fact, I've only ever lost a couple people really close to me, but never a spouse, so I can't say what an adequate grieving time frame looks like. I just know that when we talked then, she was only beginning to open up and start to talk about all of this. And then life would smack her around a little bit more. In January, in the thick of winter in Boston, a calamity of sorts happened and Christine and her family ended up having to leave their home. About the same time, she got into a car accident, to add insult to injury. Living in a few motels, trying to find more permanent housing, she had a shining beacon that was ever-present on her horizon, and that was that she was going to get to see Blue October live at the House of Blues in Boston at the end of April. She had never been to a show, and it was, for her, hope. 
that the turmoil with Dave and the house and the car and the hotels was all going to be worth it, that the journey was leading somewhere. Her and I chatted a couple weeks after that first Blue October show, and for me, it was a completely renewed person I was listening to. And we were living in a hotel from January 25th until May 1st, me and my three kids. I don't know if we mentioned it in the last post or the last chat. I know it wasn't mentioned in the last um, podcast, but my husband passed away in April. So things were kind of crappy in the beginning of that from April on. December, I had gone into a car accident. I was rear-ended and my car was totaled. And then January, we lost our house. But May 1st, we moved into this amazing, amazing apartment community, brand new, like, I think there's four of us that live here now, four families in like a huge community. I mean, we have a Starbucks in our parking lot. We have like (laughs) restaurants and it's just, it's unbelievable. We have a gym, we have a pool, we have, like I'm looking right at the Avalon meeting room, resident lounge. We have a resident lounge. It's the coolest thing. Things finally turned around. Things have gotten so much better. And I had to know what the first Blue October concert was like. Was it all everyone cracks it up to be? Of course, that's a little tongue-in-cheek me asking her right there. Because for those of us who have been to multiple shows, there's an excitement when we hear of a first-time attendee. But of course, I had to know. I had to get the details. I had to know what it felt like for Christine to see this band, to be present with these guys and this music that meant so much to her and that had had such an impact on her life. Let me tell you, I don't think I've ever experienced anything so, I don't want to say magical because that's really way too corny, but like just the beginning of the music, I just like totally lost it. Could not even contain myself. I was crying hysterically. It was just crazy. Like just the whole, like the whole anticipation of it and then being there and then, oh my God, they're coming on stage. Oh my God, he's right there. And the fact that we were so close, we were right up front. It was an unreal experience like Justin making eye contact at one point I think I posted the video at one point he said when he started singing um the song home which was my song with Dave I of course couldn't really handle it too well so I had my head down and I was crying hysterically and it didn't look up once during the entire song my daughter's recording the whole thing behind me my new friend Brian's recording the whole thing from next to me and Come to find out two days after the concert when I could actually watch the video, Justin came over to me twice during the song, was bent down at one point, head tilted, trying to make me laugh, trying to make me smile, did not have any idea that he was right there. It was absolutely hysterical, but it was just the sweetest thing. Like, Like, you could tell he cared for a second that she's crying, I want to help her. So he did what he could. You know what I mean? It was just... Magical. Corny, I guess, as it sounds, it was magical. I like I even looked at my daughter, who's not the hugest blue fan. Like she's not like insane like I am. But she appreciates their music. She hasn't gotten that. She hasn't gotten it yet. Hasn't hit her yet. She will eventually. My son, my ten year old has, but not my twenty four year old. I looked at her and she was crying. She was moved by the whole experience too. It was just it was amazing. Like their show was just it was so much like I had seen people's videos and heard people talk about them as much as I tried to not watch 
any of the footage that people have been posting until my first concert, you know, I watched some of them. It just being there, like, ah, it was just insane. It was awesome. It was amazing. The whole thing, like from beginning to end, like I didn't want it to be over. And then when it was over, it was even more hysterical. One of the things Christine and myself had also talked about was meeting Justin and the band. Something so many of us fans with these connections to the music think about. What was she going to say if given the opportunity? So they did a CD signing and everybody was getting in line. I was standing there talking to um, one of the guys that works at um, House of Blues. And I was wearing these kind of big high heels. So I'm leaned over and I'm leaned on on the pole, taking the high heel off. Everybody else is in line. I had bought my CDs. They were in line. I had my daughter in line for me um, because I was kind of leaning on the pole. And all of a sudden, I have one shoe in my hands. The other one, I'm still wearing. There's nobody else around me except for the guy that I'm talking to. I look up and Justin Farsenfeld is standing in front of me. I went, (laughs) ah. And I look to my left, I look to my right, I'm like, do you people not see that he's standing right there? And nobody says a word, it's complete silence, and then I drop my fucking drink. Yep, I dropped my drink, right in front of him. Felt like the biggest schmuck. It was, but it was so funny, like, he laughed, it was funny. And then I jumped in line with my daughter, because I obviously probably wasn't supposed to be standing there at the time, that's why they cleared everybody out. Um, I jumped in line with her to have him sign, to have them sign it, and... He, he was talking to my daughter and I was talking to Ryan and um, he was telling me that he loved my shirt because I cut my shirt up a little bit, make it look unique, I guess you could say. And then I added um, a blue October patch to my pocketbook. So or one of the vinyl sticker things to my pocketbook. So he got up and he gave me a hug and he's telling me how much he loved the entire outfit and how awesome I looked. And I was laughing at like, yep, with my high heels in my hands. Yep, I look great. But it was, it was surreal, like the whole thing, like they just, I mean, even, I, I, even if I had gotten into the meet and greet, I think that nothing could have beat that night. I tried to thank him. I like, you read the letter. I had so many things I wanted to say. And all I could get out was, up there, up there, up there. Uh, couldn't get anything out. I, 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 and I don't think of him as like this high on a pedestal, like, I mean, he is, but I don't, like, he's real. He's a real person. I, I genuinely respect him because he's so real. So I was kind of shocked that I got starstruck. I wish it wasn't over. Um, <laughs> I'm already planning for November to take a road trip with a new friend to New York to go to the concert in November. Oh, they already have it planned for New York? They are. They're coming on November 15th. We often think a number of things when we hear stories like Christine's. Like, how did you get through that all? Or what are some things you took away from that heartbreaking year? It's not trivial to say that we all have tough times in life, and we all walk our own paths. But one thing we can always do together is listen and learn from each other. And that's the path I wanted Christine to let us down as we close out this part of her story. There were plenty of times that I thought that I don't understand why God's doing this to me. I, I don't, I know they say that, you know, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. He's got a really high opinion of me this year. He thinks I can handle a lot. Let me tell you, but he's got a plan. He's, 
I was never overly religious. I was never, I, I don't know how to put it, but I, I just, I really, and it sounds corny, but I've always, always, and anybody that knows me will say, everything happens for a reason. That's always been my mantra. Everything happens for a reason. I may not know what the reason is. I may not agree with the reason, but everything happens for a reason. I can usually look back and say, okay, well, I understand. We struggled for a few months in a hotel and living in hotels, and but we weren't on the street. You know, the pipes froze at the other house and the pipes burst and we couldn't live in the flood. But we didn't have to deal with that all winter. You know what I mean? There was no... We were in a hotel, yes, it was expensive, yes, it was a pain in the butt, yes, but we were warm. We didn't have, you know, water issues like we've had years past because the pipes froze or burst or, you know, whatever calamity happens at the time. Now we're here. Now we're in this amazing community where it's a whole new journey for all of us. And I don't know what life's going to bring, but I have this amazing outlook now that I maybe didn't have before. I still get frustrated. I still get angry that I lost my husband. But when I think about the lives that he saved, being an organ donor, he, mm -hmm. one of his organs went to a six-year-old little girl. Another one, his liver went to, a, a, I believe it was a 60-year-old music teacher. He was a hero. And I have to look at it that way. I can't say, I can't be like feeling God took my husband from me. Mm -hmm. No. Yes, he did take him from us, but he gave life to so many other people. He gave sight to somebody with his eyes. He gave, you know, breath to somebody because both of his lungs went to two people, two separate people. He saved a six-year-old girl that could change the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just, I have to look at it like that. My kids look at it like that. And um, the anniversary of his passing was a couple of weeks ago on April 28th. And we had what I thought was just going to be me and my kids, but it turned out to be me and my kids and some friends and my kids all had friends there. And we wrote notes to Dave and put them on what we wrote the notes on the white balloons and sent them up. And the kids thought it was the greatest thing. I thought it was amazing. I think I showed you the video of some pictures. The balloons went up and no sooner did the balloons go up. You can hear in the, one of the videos that the balloons actually made the shape of an S. I thought that was just way too cool because that's something that my husband would have done had he been able to, you know what I mean? He used to drive by the, I think it's a Sheridan hotel or a something hotel that had the S on it. And he used to say, look, it's the, the S for Sweeney. It's the S for Sweeney. He would pick it out all the time. And I just thought it was so funny that it, they turned into the S. And then as soon as the balloons were out of sight, a, a rainbow appeared. Wow. Yeah. What it, a kind of a signal or sign. Yeah. I definitely get signs all the time. There's, I didn't believe in, well, not that I didn't believe, I just didn't know about them so much. Um, like the cardinal, seeing a cardinal means a loved one is near, or they say, you know, legend has it, the loved one is near. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I told you about the butterfly landing on me right after he had passed. And now whenever I feel, when I'm feeling really emotional, whether it's happy, sad, when I'm feeling very like missing him a lot, I'll see a butterfly or I'll see a cardinal. I had a dragonfly literally chase me, I swear, to another city one day. I don't know if it hitched a ride on my car or whatever, but I'm telling you, it went from one city to the next and I got out of my car and it was standing, oh, standing, yeah, it was flying right in front of my face. And then with all the music, 
me listening to it so much here, wherever I, whether it's the hotel or whether it's now our new home, listening to it so much has brought my kids to love it. Madison, my 15 year old, her friends now listen to Blue. They listen to your podcast too. Um, <laughs> awesome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Pretty cool. And not just the ones that I happen to be in, but even my 10 year old will now, he, like today, he grabbed my cell phone. And we were in the car and he's like, Can I play a song? I was like, Yeah, go ahead. So I'm thinking he's going to put on something that he likes from Fortnite or Marshmallow or something. I don't know. But he put on Blue. And I was like, Oh. And I'm like, did you do that for me? Because it's Mother's Day. He's like, no, I just like the song. I was like, oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> and I was like, all right, awesome. And then when I was telling them, they've all heard the other podcast that I had been in the fair podcast them before, mm-hmm. and, except for Alex. My 10-year-old hadn't heard it yet. And we were driving around today, and I was telling him how we were doing this tonight. And he goes, well, I never got to hear the other one. I'm like, because you said you didn't want to. He's like, well, I want to now. So he, we listened to it in the car a couple of hours ago. And he goes, you know, Mom, I was like, I know, I sound like a dork on the radio, right? He goes, no. He goes, you know, I just love you. I'm so proud of you. Well, I think you've probably got a lot more people that are really proud of you as well, Christine. I have to say thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing and letting all of us into that incredibly personal side of your life and what happened to you and your family. It was amazing talking to you and amazing meeting you. And I'm so thrilled and so honored that you chose and you let me share this story because I truly believe it is an incredibly beautiful story. As much as it's sad and hard to listen to and it was very tough at the least for this guy to put on I appreciate it and I'm honored and I feel so blessed that you and I came into and crossed paths and that you chose me so thank you thank you thank you I often get asked what is Just Sway all about by somebody who doesn't know Blue October and This episode for me was really encompassing in all of the things that Blue October stands for and all the things that Blue October can be. Their music is more than just music to us. You listen to it and you feel it and you live it and it can lift you up. It can bring you back, as we heard. It can bring a husband back to his wife, a dad back to his family. It's beautiful. I want to say thank you today for listening, for giving me your time, your attention, and for hearing Christine's story and for feeling with all of us here today. I really appreciate you being here and I cannot say that enough. This show allows me a great outlet to share this band and this music and these men who have impacted so many lives. And these stories can go on and impact so many more. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I cannot say thank you enough for listening here today. I also have to say a special thank you to Jackson John, who allowed me to use the music that you heard in the background. And lastly, I want to say if you would like to talk with me about your own Blue October story, please connect with me through either the Just Way Facebook page or the Instagram page. I would love to hear from you. 
I have many more stories to come. I'm so excited for the rest of this show to go on. I'm going to really dive in this summer and see where this show takes me, takes all of us on this ride. And I truly cannot wait to share this with you. I'm so incredibly excited. I know I'm talking a little slow here tonight at the end of this episode, but I can't tell you how just excited I am that this is happening and that this is real and that you're here and you're listening. I appreciate it all. And lastly, until the next time you hear my voice, keep graceful dancing. And you're a superstar on your own. And I'm looking over your shoulder, getting older. And God.